0: And I'm like, missed the button. Things playing. That's right. It would be funny. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Snipers Hide, and uh, we got a special episode, and it's it's special for two reasons. It's like a birthday episode, and it's I have a special guest episode, so it's doubly special. Happy birthday, Phil. It was your birthday this past weekend. We got Phil Vallejo on the line.
1: Thanks, Frank. No, I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure coming on your podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh did you have a good, good, uh, good off, a uh, couple days off and and do anything fun for your birthday?
1: I did. So I just winded down from that mule deer hunt. And then um yesterday my daughter actually uh she went out, she was surprised like a little dinner and um got me a birthday cake and everything it was pretty cool. She was like Hey, uh, I'm going to go to the store with my friend. I was like, okay. And uh, she came back and uh, she fixed me up some dinner so I didn't have to cook. And uh, we, you know, lit lit some candles. So I thought that was pretty, pretty awesome.
0: That's super cool, man. And she got you a little cake and everything. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So.
0: And and I saw your mule deer hunt. Um, You went on a a DIY hunt. I did. And, uh, you know, so uh, talk about that a little bit. Throw some time on that.
1: Dude, that was, that was awesome, man. Like I'm not a four-legged, uh, hunter critter by or four-legged critter hunter by trade. Right. Um, you know, we come from the business of hunting two-legged critters and, uh, that was just a, a, a super cool experience. Uh, Kalen has been a really awesome mentor to me, uh, in terms of getting into the backcountry hunting stuff. So, uh, you know, I've been kind of picking his brain and especially when we got stumped on our bear hunt in Washington, uh, I was just, I was just hungry to, you know, um, get back out in the field and, um, the deer season just opened up and, uh, my buddy from Idaho, uh, another scout sniper, him and I went to school together back in 2009. Um, he came up and, um, you know, he was like, dude, I'll be an extra set of uh, eyes for you. Just want to catch up with you and whatever. So we hiked out like four o'clock in the morning. We woke up at three 30, got to the trailhead at like, like four forty, and then got to our position. It was like a three, three and a half mile hike in at like 7:20 sunrise was at 7:30 and then i mean we got hit with all sorts of weather you know a little snowstorm came in and I was like okay and uh literally but right after that snowstorm kind of calmed down i was looking at a ridge and what i was doing was um as soon as it cleared up i was uh you know lazing in I was like all right so from here to this you know other finger or this uh the other side of this um uh this ridge that uh, was right in front of me facing Facing north was about six ten, so I was like, "All right, anything in this drainage I can own." You know what I mean? Six hundred, especially in like super calm conditions, is like you know a, a good threshold. I'll push maybe seven hundred with a six five creed. Um, you know, if if conditions are dead calm, but six hundred is usually an in, in, in is is what what I would typically you know is a no brainer for me to shoot, uh, especially on game. And, uh, this thing popped out. Well, I saw, I saw her, uh, saw his dose first. It was like three or four. And then like Kalen, (laughs) his, he was in my head the whole time. He's like, all right, if you see does, there's more likely going to be a buck there. And then, you know, I did some more scanning and the next, you know, he popped out and, uh, you know, it was only a 48 hour trip. And I think if I was stayed a little longer, I probably would, I would have checked out for a bigger one, but I wasn't getting greedy, man. I was, I was just there for the experience. And, you know, I, uh, I figured out, Hey, let's get, get down on the prone. Obviously the most, uh, suitable condition, not the perfect prone. I was kind of laying downhill and, uh, lays them and, uh, you know, at that point I was just an autopilot and, and my buddy with me, he's like, man, I feel like I really didn't do anything. <laughs> right. I was like, I was like, well, you can help me, help me game this thing. Cause I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I shot him at, uh, 490, about 49500 500, um, front shoulder shot. And I mean, just, I just put him down. He didn't even take a step. And, uh, what was cool was when I took that shot, like everything slowed down and like I was, I was literally able to follow that trace all the way to, to, uh, to the, to the target and just watch them crumble so I thought that was super cool. Nice. Cuz I was, you know, when I, when I was teaching for gunworks, you know, and and the guys find out I wasn't really an experienced hunter, they'd be like, "Oh, you know, when you get an animal in front of you, you're going to get, you know, target panic and stuff like that." It's like, "No." <laughs> yeah,
0: right. No. He's not shooting back. No. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's just like, you know, I I and I said this a lot. It's like, "Hey, you know, whatever application you're you're shooting in, whether you're a hunter sniper, whatever, it's like, Shooting is shooting, you know what I mean. I think the moment I decided to shoot him, I was no longer hunting. I was just shooting long range and applying the fundamentals of marksmanship in this scenario. So
0: nice, nice. A couple points. Um, going back when we were teaching uh, down rifles only time doing the military stuff when you guys were in that was the big thing with the seals. Uh, that was kind of when whenever we had those guys come to class, it would always be the 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 job was to own everything 600 meters and in regardless of the of the situation if there was something that had to be solved on the other side of the rifle 600 meters and in they wanted to own everything so that that goes right in line with what you were saying with that 600 meter there shouldn't be a shot you shouldn't take with that yeah. stuff and 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 yeah, I mean the the mindset thing, kind of with the the buck fever mindset. I'm not a big hunter either. I've I, I've you know done a couple little things here, and and there's a story why I don't hunt that much, but it's not worth getting into right now. But yeah. um, I have, and and I've always just kind of like was like, okay, quarter the target, gonna shoot it there, push, you know, press the trigger and put it down, and and it never really kind of went into my head because it's always like you go through our process. Yep. And, and, and so when they, I remember like when I was down in Argentina, they had asked me like a mindset question like that, like, you know, what's going through and what's happening with this kind of buck fever and how do you get out of it? And it's like, nah, just quarter the target and, you know, press the trigger. And, and, and it's like, I'm not seeing what you're seeing, getting all freaky out about it. And so I never quite got it, but maybe because we weren't brought up to think we were supposed to act that way. Um, I, I, I almost think it's that, uh, you know, somebody tells you, oh, you're going to be freaked. And if you don't have a frame of reference, like you're already, you know, kind of pre, um, you know, you're, you're pre experienced, but I almost remember, kind of wonder if it's somebody goes like, you're going to freak. And then when that situation presents itself, does the uh, person's head go, well, they told me I'm going to freak, so I should. And and it just, because to me, I never really got it, but I know it happens and it's out there. We have the students that come by all the time, you know, the ones that, you know, why are you in class? Well, I missed my elk at 120. And and then, you know what I mean? And then they, they take the class and then the next year they get one at 530, you know? Yeah. But it, it's that kind of mindset. But in a way, I can see closer being a bigger pain in the neck because if you think about me and you if if if, you know we were if we were a team walking around a corner and we're turning a corner on a block of a building and somebody's coming on the other opposite block and building of us in an alleyway and those guys turned a corner with their guns and we turned a corner with our guns we'd be in freakout mode yeah so you, you know i almost wonder if it's the distance that kind of when people were you know 30 yards 50 yards created the freakout mode but you know we look at it that distance gives us time and opportunity and the farther away we are the more relaxed we should be and um, I don't know that's just kind that's
1: of that's a good point goes. that's a good point the further distance you are the more time and opportunity I think definitely for a certain extent uh, you know um, we always talk about ethical you know the ethical chase of game and you um, obviously by me hunting and you know with modern day sniper and even being working at gunworks for the time that i did like i always want to make sure that i'm I'm putting my money where my mouth is and like not taking shots that i shouldn't be taking you know what i mean just to just to try to push the limits you know yeah um i think it's always important to realize like man i, I shoot a lot and you know i've been in a lot of different scenarios but even with my capability my threshold is probably seven 800 yards especially you know in a magnum caliber um and that's like like worst case scenario last day of the hunt and i i want something you know what i mean uh but out, out here just because of how wide and open the terrain is i mean it, it's hard to close the distance sometimes you yeah, know what i mean
0: yeah um and and i agree with you on that like i don't think i would ever unless i really practiced my ass off um prior i don't think i would take one past 800 either you know, yeah. I think that to me would be my kind of ethical limit. Um, and and I know like on our range, Adam and Mike and those guys have gone out and shot Antelope at, uh, you know, 1,100 yards and in, in plus and put them down with one shot with six dashers and shit like that or six BRA. Is like what I think Adam used last year when he did it. Um, but, you know to me that's kind of that's that's that risky but those guys were practicing and getting ready we had targets out there that they were first rounding on all the time so um and if the conditions were right yeah i i i'm I'm fine on my targets at 1100 yards and 1200 yards but if i have my normal wins i wouldn't do it
1: yeah you know what i mean And that's and that's the factor of why i wouldn't take a shot at distance is the you know Uh, The ability to judge wind to the mile per hour I need in order to get a you know clean clean kill uh, on target.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally, and and so I'm with you on that. But no, that's good, man. So you had a good time. Got got your deer. uh, I saw you dressing it all up on there. So you got food and everything. You you,
1: you... I I did. It was cool to uh, you know the first time I ever done that, and I'm glad I did it because I was able to really see kind of the terminal ballistics of. Uh, the bullet, um, and I'm sure people are going to ask what bullet I used. So I used the 140. Uh, I was shooting a 6.5 Creed Moore, um, and I was just shooting the 140 ELDMs. Yes, it's a match bullet, um, but in the hunting community, actually, especially in the forums, if have read, a lot of guys have a lot of better luck with the ELDMs uh, than the ELDXs, especially at the further ranges, and um, I think the bullet performed the way it was supposed to, because uh, it actually stopped on the other side of the hide. It didn't even, it didn't even go through um, but I was able to recover it and, uh, I still got it. Um, I didn't, I didn't wait to see what kind of uh, retained weight it had, but, um, I mean, I pretty much broke his, uh, both his shoulders and, uh, I'm pretty sure the, uh, cavitation, um, broke his spine. Cause I mean, he just straight like dropped like a, a bug.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I used last, I mean, the last thing I shot too was with, uh, with match bullets. I actually use one, 118, yeah. 118 LR. Um, okay. you know, and, and they, and they went DRT right there. I was doing coyotes with some people. And, um, so yeah, and, and, and it just, and, and they, they dropped like a sack of potatoes. It's shot placement.
1: You it's know? all shot placement, man. Yeah.
0: You know, so, um, uh, like the, I was doing a, a couple were running on a run and I, I led the first one. I hit him in the head, popped his head out, you know, eyes, everything came nice. out. And then I was like, fuck. So he dropped, you know, then the second one, I'm like, oh, I can't lead him quite that much. Backed off the second lead in, in just he dropped like a sack of potatoes. Just DRT'd. I just fucking dropped them nice, and then nice. The, and then the uh you know after that it was it was wasn't too bad. And those were at five and change, five eighty 580, okay, five eighty five, five eighty six was the first one, and like five thirty might have been the second. Um, but yeah, you know coming over there. But yeah, the, the match bullet worked fine to me. That's what I had. I'm I'm not into the whole, you know, getting too crazy with it. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I dude, did honestly. Shocked.
1: Yeah, shot placement, man. I've shot four different critters so far, rolling four rounds, and I put that bullet where I want it to be, you know, because it's a precision rifle. And actually, this is one of uh, uh, of the things I wanted to get into. I had a person comment on one of my posts, uh, you know, because I've been uh, on my Instagram, I've been posting kind of just a series of events of everything that happened and how it unfolded. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone had commented on my picture of the rifle. Was like, man, that's a sweet hunting rifle. And another guy was like, No, that's not a hunting rifle. Phil's just really good at what he does. And I was like, I didn't recall, I didn't comment back, but I was like, Why doesn't he think that's a hunting rifle? You know what I mean? So, what classifies a rifle to be a hunting rifle? That's my question to you.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think in their mindset, it's that pencil thin barrel and that lightweight. They want to kind of carry it off. But I mean, you, you know, you and I, like, it'd probably be a better way of looking at me. Uh, with the M40A1, I mean, yeah. other than the barrel, that was for all the, a hunting rifle. Yeah, You know what I mean? But it had a heavier barrel, so it was heavier. But we still moved from point A to point B with it. So the, I think the hunting rifle concept comes from, you know, I'm walking. Like you said, you did a seven-mile walk, and you went there. Well, your average guy who's working his 9-to-5 job isn't in the mode like you and I were when we were in the military. Well, if yeah. we carried a 15-pound rifle for 20 miles, we didn't give a shit. That was our job. We carried our rifle. <laughs> yeah. And it was like the rifle, you know, I, care, I have a way of carrying it, and maybe yours is the same or different. We always carry it sort of alongside us, muzzled down, and we can hide the scope and do a bunch of shit. But it made the weight go in a straight line, and it made it really easy for me to carry it based on how I carried it. Um, if I had to carry it up, like in a patrol phase type of thing for that long, it might have felt heavier, but, um, I didn't carry it that way, um, the entire time. So it, 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 it felt good, but yeah, we're just used to carrying shit. But I would think the only thing that makes a hunting rifle, a hunting rifle is its weight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think every rifle has a purpose and, and, um, I think he, yeah, he was yeah. making you know, every, he was, he was making, you know, comments about, well, he wouldn't shoot that offhand. And and honestly, you know, unless I was shooting like big game coming at me within a hundred yards, like I'm not going to shoot ever offhanded. You know what I mean? Um, I'm always going to, you know, if if that thing is further than a hundred yards, I'm going to find any kind of support, even if I have to use my buddy, uh, to, to shoot off of, um, you know, I'm going to always try to find some kind of front support for that rifle. So, I don't know, I was just kind of a little bewildered by by his comment, and I was like, well, that's a good question. Like, what makes a, a, a hunting rifle a hunting rifle? And, you know, I, I feel like as long as you can carry it, right? It's like if you can carry it from point A to point B and, and engage your target and, you know, take the most cleanest and ethical kill, then it's a hunting rifle.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, you, um, if it's got the energy on target, it's done.
1: Yeah, so that was, I, yeah.
0: We just never had the mindset with us, and it probably carried over to you guys. Because, like, if you think about it, we qualified with the M16, and you have yeah. that offhand at 200 yards. You know, you're yep. going to shoot the, the standing. But a, after that, like you just said, we never shot the sniper rifles offhand. I mean, me made a no. dicked around with it, but you always – I mean, sniper rifles are a crew serve weapon system. Yeah. I got a guy. I'm going to use that guy as my support if I don't have support to use. You know, and so that was a big thing. Is we, I mean, if you look in the old manuals, I don't know if it's still there. There was always a ton of partner supported um, shots. There was the ones they they showed the standing. They even had the uh, the sitting one, where the spotter then was in front using his shoulder with the binos, yep. and they always, that was a pretty famous um, kind of sketch drawing of you know the, you're kind of putting the squeeze on it. Stop breathing. Okay, I got the shot, but the guy in front's using binos to support. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I wouldn't take an offhand shot either, and and to me, that's just not where, uh, you know, even if that if your rifle weighed whatever it weighed, I'd put it on a tripod before I tried to shoot it offhand, or like you said, I'd use I'd use your buddy who was there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, and it still bewilders me when when sometimes you have match directors that are throwing a, a positional stage. It's like why? Why? Like <laughs> that's like. Like you said, it's un- impractical it's for modern precision rifles, You right? It's like if if I'm going to shoot unsupported, you better give me a fucking AR yeah, well, <laughs> at, three- at 300 yards on an ipsic sized target because that's not precision. You know what I mean? Well,
0: it, what it should be. Here's the stage I would do with that. I would have you come up. You got an offhand shot at 50 yards on a 66 percenter. Okay. right. That's the shot. So you're going to walk up to a thing and I would almost make it where you come around the corner in the exact scenario I spoke about. You're going to start here and not see this target like a board in front or like your blind stage. Then you're going to turn. There's going to be a target at 50. That's your offhand shot. Then you're going to drop and you're going to fight to a better position and then take your sitting, kneeling or standing that's supported. But, yeah. but that's how are not standing yeah but that's how I would do it I would basically say if I had to take a wicked offhand shot like that it would be a super close oh fuck I turn the corner this guy's in front of me in one of those situations where your gun better be on like three or five power because you're moving because I, yep. I I don't know about you guys but I always tell like especially the 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 working gun side of the equation you know the post shot checklist is to reduce your magnification.
1: Yep. That's huge.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? So if if it's a working gun, you know, if, if I got a five to 25 and I got to put my working gun in the case to take out tomorrow, I should be on five power when I put it away. Cause I want to take it out and have the, that biggest field of view I can get and not have to try to look through a toilet paper tube at 25 power. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the mindset that I would have, and which is one of the reasons where when the, the PSR was coming across, they were looking to do a three power. You know, if you remember the three to 26 yep. and, and all those scopes, they were trying to get that three to 20 something because they wanted field of view and to open that up for those urban snapshots. You know, it, it is kind of like where that mindset was. So I don't know, but I agree. I mean, that's it's cool with the, like a lot of hunting stuff going on. Everybody's out there whacking stuff. Um, tons of pictures everywhere, and and it's a good thing. It's just yeah, what makes what makes one rifle hunting rifle versus another? If they both take you know the same caliber or or, or you know uh, a similar caliber, you know, yeah. and and you can carry it and that's right. You're going to put the animal down with enough energy that's required to do it ethically. It's it yep. it, it works. There, yep. you Shouldn't have to na- name it. So hey, you were saying that um, you were you were listening to a bunch of the podcasts and you wanted to kind of kind of r- r- go over a couple nuggets that you had heard in them, huh?
1: Yeah. So um, on the way back from Kalen's, it's about a 13 hour drive. Uh, we had finished up a PR 101 and uh, did our bear hut, which we were kind of unsuccessful, but still learned a ton. Um, Again, Cam's obviously an awesome mentor in in the backcountry. But yeah, you know, I I was, I usually start off like listening to music and then I was like, man, F this. So I I, I, I immediately threw on your podcast. I enjoy your podcast mainly because your personality, you're easy. I I feel like when I'm, when I'm listening to your podcast, I'm right there with you, just bullshitting.
0: (laughs) Nice. nice. (laughs) But
1: I can't, I can't, I can't obviously speak to you. But I laugh at <laughs> so, some of the – so one of the things that I, I remember, I think you were – it was a solo, and you literally got dead quiet. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah the, the one last week. Um, uh, Jeremy Swanee had, was texting me on Facebook about the, um, the dry fire kit, Yeah. the poster with the tool. And yeah, yeah. He, he had sent me one, but I was traveling and I was away, so I didn't respond to him. So he was like, hey, dude, did you get that kit? And it's right here behind me, like three feet. And I'm like, yep, I got it right here. So I'm in the middle of the podcast. And Jeremy Swanee there uh, was like, hey. And I'm like, all right. So I, I ignore that I'm on the mic and I start responding. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm still live. Like. I'm still recording. <laughs> so then there was this dead air, and I saw this huge gap of dead air. Now, I could have went into my software and just cut it out.
1: I know. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm that, not good. I gonna. think that's the best part about it, the, the fact that you didn't cut it out. That yeah. was
0: awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. But, yeah, so that that was a good one. but the, the, it, it, and, and I try to make it fun. I mean, I look at this. This is sports entertainment. There's yeah, got to yeah. be some entertainment. I mean, it's why we goof around in classes. It's why we make fun of people and give people nicknames and and do all the crazy stuff we do. I mean, you hear the crazy shit Mark and I talk about. I mean, yeah. it, it's kind of slightly out of control sometimes. But yeah, so, all right. So you're listening to the dead air episode. <laughs> what's what's one of the uh, others? You were saying a Chris Roberts uh, one?
1: Yeah, so listen to Chris Roberts. You guys, you guys hit up some really cool stuff on training. And then um, I think uh, the ones that really kind of, uh, you know, I was able to kind of really absorb from a technical aspect was Frank Green's and Barline Barrels. You know, some of the things that he I took away from that Uh, was, you know, the, um, the gain twist, right? Uh, Even, you know, some, a lot of BR shooters, even if it's the slightest, uh, you know, gain twist or whatever, they're still running it. Uh, But what was cool was when he was talking about BR shooters back in the day when, you know, if it was like perfect conditions because of the barrel twist, that, that, that gun shot phenomenal. But, like drop it, drop those conditions, whether it be, you know, uh, temperature wise or take that, you know, gun at a different location. It just shot like straight ass. Right. Yep. Uh, but it was just really built around, um, you know, that specific area, which I thought was really interesting, um, uh, from a standpoint, because I had just actually listened to Jaden Quinlan's interview that we did for him on the, on the summit. Mm-hmm. And what he talked about was, well, you know, when you have a higher twist rate, that doesn't come for free. You know, when you try to tw- uh, twist your barrels faster, you know, to have that d- dynamic stability in the transonic ranges, well, what you have is more dispersion uh, at the closer ranges, which makes sense, Right. So it's like it's almost like, well, are are we now spinning the bullets too fast?
0: Yeah. That was my bitch. Go, go ahead and yeah. finish your thing because you're gonna wind no, that, me up in a minute, because that's exactly okay. what I'm gonna talk to you about in a second. Okay, and, okay yes. so
1: that, that was so that's the first thing. It's like, are we spinning our, our barrel our bullets too fast? And then um I really love the zero compromise uh, uh talk with um
0: with jeff yeah
1: with jeff yep uh i learned some stuff there about you know understanding the difference between resolution and um and contrast is it resolution and contrast no yeah, yes
0: it was um resolution and yes it was contrast i believe contrast yeah yeah because yeah.
1: yeah. when 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 people automatically look through it when it just like pops that's contrast not necessarily resolution right so actually what i wanted to do and i haven't done it yet but uh, look at a dollar bill at a hundred yards because yes. that. I mean, I think that's. Uh, I think that was a, the, a great point. Um,
0: well, even uh, when I was in Austria, about. I was in Austria. They had a dollar bill on their test chart. They had their full blown mm. computer test charts, and off to the side, taped to that chart, they had. A, they had a U.S. dollar bill. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, and so with the spinning thing, I I brought this up. This came up a bunch of times. And I kind of said shit and it, and it didn't and this happened with the Norma. Okay. The 300 norm, like why was it, everybody was so hot and heavy on the Norma? The Norma, 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 Norma and then it fell off the radar. And then, you know, like me with the gain twist and why the left-hand gain twist came about because yes, there was overspinning happening because they were doing and I mentioned this a lot, they were doing two things that don't work together, and like Jaden said, no free rides, and 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 I'm aware of this. So, uh, you know, Sniper Dandruff out there who who kind of promoted a bunch of this stuff, and pushed the military to go that direction. When, you, when Sniper
1: you, Sniper Dandruff is that who I think it is? Yeah, yeah, that's our buddy. Oh, okay, that's my new yeah, name yeah, for him, yeah.
0: Sniper, because he's a flake, and Dandruff for flakes. So that's my new name, <laughs> Sniper Dandruff, so I don't have to use the, the initials or the name. Because usually we, okay. you know how when, when we're all talking, we use initials.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah, okay.
0: And and, 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 and so now I'm, I've am i changed it to Sniper Dandruff.
1: That's I like that.
0: Because it's, yeah, long flaky hair. Um. So anyway, so they sell the military on over-twisting shit. And yep. I had said to people, because they were like, hey, like 308s, let's do a 1 in 8. I said, no, nah, I had one, and I had one with a desert tech years ago. And they did it because it was their covert, stealth, subsonic, yada, yada. We want to shoot short, subsonic, blah, 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 1 in 8, 308. And when I didn't shoot subsonics, I always had flyers, short range flyers. Like I Could I hit? Could I shoot? Could I do certain things? Sure. You know, it, it it would have been like me and you getting a stock Remington seven hundred five r off the shelf, a Thursday afternoon gun, maybe Friday morning, and it shot okay. And we're like, yeah, it's a factory 700. It shot okay. And then they're like, over-twisted, over-twisted, over-twisted. And to me, that's how those over-twisted guns shot. They shot like they were a shitty 700. And I'm like, that's not good. So then when I was talking to Frank Green and all that, and this was coming about because then the military wants to do a 260, and they're going to do a 7-twist 260. And I said to Frank, I'm going, what the fuck, dude? The whole shooting world shoots an 8-twist. Yeah. Why are they going with a 7? And he goes, well, Dandruff is shooting a 14-inch, Seven twist. I go, okay, well, is the Army going to do a 14-inch gun? He said, no, they're doing a 24-inch twist, or 24-inch barrel. I said, then a seven won't work. And he's like, I know. And I said, if they gained it, it would work. And then you can go from like an eight to a seven or an eight to a seven and a quarter. And you can get best of both worlds. But that's what broke the 300 Norma. Is they were convincing people because they were trying to rewrite history to 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 make them sound themselves sound better by saying the Norma needed an eight twist. Mine mm. are all tens, and they shoot one friggin' hole at a hundred, yeah. and they shoot phenomenal at a twenty five hundred. Yeah, and that is exactly what you were talking about, where these guys were playing games with stuff in making it dependent on conditions. Guys were talking about it today on Sniper's Hide, with, um, saying why is an eight-twist AR coming back into favor? I thought we settled on sevens and nines and all this, and then guys were arguing and going back and forth on the hide today. I was watching it, but then they were talking stability factors and sea level and temperatures, and yeah. then all of a sudden – You know, one guy's like, oh, this has a stability factor of 1.6. What's the problem? And the guy goes, no, 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 no. When you're at sea level and this temperature, the stability factor is only 1.3. You know, so now they're throwing numbers with conditions with the AR talk, and it's exactly what you were talking about. So, yeah, that Frank Green, the the gain twist is the right answer. The problem is not enough barrel companies can do it correctly. Mm -hmm so you won't see a big promotion of it. I mean, even the Mark and Sam guys on YouTube kind of shot the gain twist down because they had no frame of reference for it. They don't know anything about it. So they're like, eh, we don't see it. I'm telling you, it's the real deal. It would fix so many problems that we've seen because guys are trying to say, this bullet or this bullet, this bullet or this twist, this twist or this twist. Because we're we're playing this you know one twenty to one fifty six grain game. We're playing this one in seven to one in eight and a half or more game. You know we're playing Mm -hmm. this game with a wide variety of bullet weights, with a wide variety of twist variations, and it's pain in the ass to match them up correctly. But if if we gained them, we would throw half of that out the window. Where if you just said, "Yeah, I got a gain twist, man. I got a eight two to a seven five. I could shoot anything in the um in those six five family from a one twenty three all the way to a one fifty six, and my gun's gonna love it." And every student we get showing up with gain twist loves it, and they shoot rock star. That's my gain twist rant.
1: That's no, that's a that's a good point. You know, I, I think a lot of people um, they overthink, especially competitors. You know. Um, uh, you know, wanting to have that, that twist rate and, you know, want to have that, that stability out to distance. But I mean, realistically I can count the, the matches that I've shot. I haven't really been shooting much competitively lately. Um, but, uh, you know, the matches that I do ha- have shots, like there's probably one or two stages where you're pushing past 800 yards. You know what I mean? Like most of the targets are off your belly within, you know, within 700 And, uh, you know, that's where your bread and butter's at. Like if you can dominate within 700, you know, you can win the match. Um, obviously you want some separator points with, uh, the long range stages, but you know, usually the, the match directors are pretty, uh, pretty, um, uh, generous with, uh, you know, target sizes at that distance where you're not really too worried about your bullet, um, not being stable at transonic range. So that's, that's, that, that was one of the things that really stuck out and then, um, another thing that really stuck out was one of your solos talking about rifle setup. Uh, I thought that was super, super cool. Cause that's one thing, you know, that I, that I face every day. You, you and I both face it as instructors. We see it with, from the newer, newer guy standpoint. Um, and you know what I, what I don't think a lot of some instructors that are out there that, you know, um, don't see a level of newer shooters like we do. It's like, you know, people, I would say every time the guys that have shot two or three years, they come to me with a fucked up gun and they've learned on that gun for X amount of years. And now it's almost like backpedaling, right. Uh, Of getting that right fit and understanding, you know, how that rifle's supposed to fit to them. And one of the things we did talk about was when a person's length of pull is too long. And he's like, let's say he's like, five foot six and he's got a 14 and a half inch length of pull. Typically that means he's crawling over his gun, right? Mm-hmm. And when he crawls over his gun, he usually jacks up his cheek piece all the way because he's essentially looking through his eyebrows. And not only that, his scope is like fucking four inches forward. on like the very front rails. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, I had, I don't want to say it, but we had two guys in the class or one of them had exactly that in, in July. From your area who had actually been with Kalen, good dude, good student, you guys would know him. He went to Kalen a long, 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 long time ago, eight years. Yeah, And he was laying on top of the gun, everything was pushed forward, and because he had gone to Kalen, it was really hard to convince him to bring it all back. But it's exactly yeah. what you're saying, that we're changing... So much over time, I did an article yesterday, uh, Sunday, right, in the, watching the race. I put an article up, and I put rifle setup in there. Um, you're absolutely right, everything you said and, and what we're seeing. So I, I put an article that talked rifle setup with truing your software, and I brought up rifle setup into it because, like you said, we see it, and I'm starting to, with Mark and myself, we're doing it every class now. Yep. We're pulling every scope we're t- we're testing it. We're finding out of a twelve to sixteen person class. Um, we usually do sixteen up there, twelve down here, type give or take. But in a twelve to sixteen person class, at a bare minimum, when we yank scopes, put them on our fixture and tall target test them, we find four that are canted in the rings. Right out of the <laughs> gate, we're finding four scopes. Now sometimes these cants aren't big. But they're noticeable, and a lot of times what we're seeing is when they're tightening the rings down, the ring binds and pulls the tube over a little bit. It's it's clearly something like that where you're binding in the rings, and or you know it it pulls the 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 ring is pulling to one side more than the other, and in the scope turns a little bit in there. Um, so we see that, but we're we're finding that, so now we can fix that, and then the biggest I don't want to call it a fight, but the biggest hurdle that is that in, 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 you know, I, I like to get your take on this too is we can't see what the shooter sees what the student sees. So trying to put their kind of eye through my head or however I want to describe this, I don't know, but we're doing so much more. I know we're doing it with Mike and I, we're trying to do it with Mark and I with the classes um, Mike, we're becoming much more visual, uh, especially with the wind, because we're dealing with so much wind in Colorado. Um, it's just nonstop now. We have to do these crazy wind classes. And so to get left side, right side, high, low, up, down, reticle, and all that, we're becoming much more v- uh, visual, and we're turning our connexes into kind of like um, poster boards to say this is what we're looking at, and it's painted on the side of the connex. This is what you should be seeing. And if you don't see this, that's not right. You know, fix it. But yeah, so trying to explain to a student but not being able to look through their stuff. And I mean, even I'm sure you do the same thing as I do. I always jump on a student's gun and shoot it. If Something's not right. Something's off. I jump on the scope. I I got edge to edge clarity. So I'm like, okay, I'm shorter than you. Your length of pull is different. But I can see everything. Yeah. I think you're okay. Then I'll go and do something else and do that and and normally like the big thing you might find with a student here or there is they're a rev off you know what I mean they get a yeah. rev off and they're trying they're lost in their turret and you're like okay let me fix it you're a rev off and then if they have the ability to be two revs off they'll be two revs off if you let them um, so I, yeah it's just tough to get in it's tough to get into their brain and look through their eye to see what they're doing. So it's trying to find ways of doing that.
1: A lot of it, it's too, it's like a, it's just a, such a big data dump for them. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, for those guys. And, and, you know, I've actually learned to scale back my instruction just because it's like, I know it's overwhelming for these guys. And it's like, I mean, by, so like we tried, like, you know, teaching with Kalen the last couple months, like we try to just focus the first couple hours in the morning of of class and then you know just dedicate go straight to a drill that focuses on what we just talked about you know what i mean so it's still fresh um i mean i remember teaching at sniper school and we would have like fucking six classes about marksmanship in just one day and then they'd go to the range yeah <laughs> and then we're, we're, we're expecting them to know how to zero their rifle fucking dial dope and shit like that and we're fucking screaming at them you know and they're they're already stressed out because they got qual that week you know lanav or whatever we're like, uh, do you not pay attention to fuck class? Well, they just had fucking seven, eight hours straight of fucking PowerPoint. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to give them a toot on the way out, so they got to do it yeah. all night. And then they're going to go qual the next day or whatever. Yeah. No. Uh, and, and you know what? My class, I've reduced my class to like just about, it's like almost onto the minute of three hours. Nice. You know what nice. I mean? And and it's, and yeah. I'm like probably version six, if you wanted to be realistic about it. I call it version okay. three. Yeah. Um, but it's probably version six
1: well you did talk about that you talked about how you know you've had students come from Alaska your first trip to and he came back just recently and he, he said you know you talked about uh, how he was very impressed with kind of how you streamline your course and you know updated graphics or whatever uh, but that's that's cool that 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 just goes to show you know even with your um, you know experience doing what you've been doing you're still willing to adapt and change based off of the current uh, climate of low range shooting and stuff like that. So that's, that's, that's always refreshing here. Cause there's fucking people out there that you and I know that have fucking s- taught the same shit since the nineties. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, no one gives a shit about, <laughs> no one gives a shit about your no sandsock bro.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you and I've talked about it, but I, I mean, I'm not going to mention any names on the podcast, but like within the last three years, I've had one of those guys call me up and ask me what a mill is. Oh God! You know, so it's like, oh shit, dude. We're getting these Mills scopes now, and I'm like, oh, what's that? You know, Ooh, okay, cool. <laughs> that sounds that sounds interesting. <laughs> you know, but anyway, um, yeah. So I, oh. I you know what? And and I'm doing. A, I'm gonna do a booklet. I've been talking about it. I'm gonna do a yeah. handout. Um, the the Jackmaster Ted H- uh, Hager material has been huge for the class. So I want to kind of give that to every student in a booklet rather than saying go to Sniper's Hide and download it because I think the resources yeah. with the computers and stuff are so good. But yeah, I'm always editing myself and editing my course and trying to be more efficient in how I'm teaching something, identifying where students are, you know, whiting out or glazing over on what I'm talking about and, and trying to reword that or to to change it. I mean, we are... are our field part of it, our range time has changed as well. You know, yeah. from yanking the scopes off, I let Mark do that. And then, like, I go and I assembly line everybody after that. So when your scope's off, Mark Tall target tests you. Everything gets recorded. Now you come to me. Now you and I are setting up, and I'm going to give you, like, a rough zero. Because before what we used to do was pull every scope. And him and I would work the scopes together. Then we'd put every scope back on everybody together. Then we'd re-zero everybody together. And when you got 12 to 16 people shooting, you know, an 18 by 36 piece of paper, you know, with, um, uh, what would it be? Five times 100 fucking holes in it. It's like, <laughs> ah, which one is yours, dude? So now it's like, all right, dude, let's do this. You do you, you do you, you do. Shoot. All right, your zero's good. Finish your group shoot, okay, I got your spot, add this, do this, finish your group, next guy, put your scope on, make sure everything's good. And and then when Mark's done, I'm finishing up with the last two or three guys, and it's rough zero, rough zero, rough zero. Well, when that last guy gets his rough zero, now everybody's back to square one again, and we can finish everybody's zero together, and you're not off the shoot and see. You know, so I bring you onto the shoot and see, so we don't have a freaking page with a hundred holes in it, and you're trying to identify, you know, hole 16, and it's like, oh shit, which one was that? And so yeah, <laughs> we've been changing a lot of stuff, um, and it helps too. Um, Mark does sit back, and and you guys probably do the same thing, I'm sure, because we trade off on on um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, kind of responsibility. Like I yeah. do this part, he does that part. Yeah. And so because I wrote a lot of this and I've done a lot of this stuff kind of came out of me. Well, now you get Mark will put a lot more notes in and go, hey, let's change this. Hey, So he's coming to me sitting in the class, almost like a student, and he's editing my work where if it was his work, you'd want me to edit it. Yeah. But because this is mostly my work, he's editing me. And I think that's helped out quite a bit.
1: That's a, that's a really good point. And, and ever since I came on to uh, Modern Day Sniper, that's exactly how Kalen and I have been. I was like, hey, man, we're going to run the, your curriculum the way you've been running it. And I will, you know, if we need to change it, I'll throw my two cents in and we'll talk about it. And, you know, um, but it, it's worked out really well um, just because we were just able to identify, hey, this is kind of the, um, you know, what we're seeing with the students. and Like you said, I, I think um, it's cool to hear you say that. And I think that's what separates us in, in the industry in terms of being teachers is like, we care about how our student is receiving the information. Like, you know, it's, it's not just, we're just going to push, you know, we're just not going to push you through the curriculum. Like, I want to make sure that you thoroughly understand, you know, what is being said, uh, so that, you know, cause I'm putting my name, like at the end of the day, like when you, Come through my class. I'm putting my name on you, you know. So like, yeah. whether, whatever you decide to do, you know, whether you be a competitive shooter or your hunter or whatever, like, you know, to do great things, like, it's like, Kalen, and my name is on on your back now, right? So, you know, hopefully, it's good things that you you end up doing. So it comes back to us, but obviously, the negative will reflect too. It's like, oh man, like, you know, I blame your I blame your drill instructors, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you know what? And and here's the thing: if you know. Uh, uh, negatives I could deal with, you know. If you say, "Hey, I didn't learn this," you did this or did that. okay. If it's a case of, and, and this has happened, I'm not. It's a good case of, you know, we tease somebody over something breaking or something not working or going. Ah, dude, would you fucking, you know, like I did this and a student left, um, first year in Alaska, had he had a really cheap scope of rings, everything was wrong. Um, scope was on backwards, all this and other thing. And then when I put it in, it didn't work and I couldn't, but it was like a $299 scope and it didn't track and it didn't work. But when he showed up, it was mounted in the mount backwards. Oh, shit. yeah. I took it all apart, put it all together. And I said, Hey dude, that, you know, and it didn't work. We fixed it. Then we go to zero it. It won't zero up and it's off. And he looks at me and I go, Hey dude, that's what you get for buying your scope in a vending machine. <laughs> And, 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 you know, he left, he didn't come back, you know, but we carry spare scopes because of that. Uh. So if you're bitches, I teased you. And you're mad? I can't do much about that, but I don't have very many bitches where people go, your class sucked, <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: well, I, I think, I mean, I feel like that's like a, a certain, it's like a, a certain unwritten code. Like if you're gonna sh- like sign up for like a, a firearms class, you better have some thick skin, you yeah, know what I mean? Because yeah. you're in a room full of alpha males, guess what? It's, there's some jokes gonna be thrown around. <laughs> so uh, that's that's awesome. One thing I did want to talk to you about and this goes to the, the shoot. You were talking about shooters' checklist. Um, um, uh, the anti-cant device or so the scope level. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a you know there's a lot of competitors out there that you know they they uh, they kind of I think not I don't say they do- dog on you for putting out that you don't use scope levels. I want to know your take on on scope levels, and then we'll we'll talk about what I what I had heard in your in your um, your checklist.
0: Yeah, they 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 dog. Um, I I do. I, I level the scope with the turret. I don't use the level. I okay. look over the top of it, or I feel it. I don't have to go, and, and honestly, I have a third method that I can't explain to you. I look at my reticle, and I look down through the back of my base. Um, okay. I have this kind of look down in the back of the scope I use to see it. And and honestly, I, I call a level, and I will tell us. I know the PRS guys hate it, and, and, and they get mad at me. A level is an idiot light. Uh, uh, that's it, man. A level's an idiot light. It is nothing else. It's telling you you have a problem, and then you got to go, oh, I got a problem. I better get it fixed. Meanwhile, I want to fix, fix it before it's a problem. Yeah. So in me, part of my checklist is leveling that scope because I use the bipod. When I set in my bipod for the shot, I'm leveling my rifle at the same time. So I'm locking that down. So I can't camp my rifle. I don't. And let me, and, and the PRS guys got no room to talk. They got I we've have a bunch of them in class this past year. They're flinching. They got huge bad habits. They're slapping triggers. They're doing and I get it. Their guns are so good and don't, you know, weigh so much. They can hit tons of shit. And they do. They practice well, they do their jobs. They play a game excellent. But you don't need the level to tell you what's going on. I'm, I'm going to ask you this, Phil. Here's a question for the people with the levels. If I went out to your car right now and moved one of the mirrors in your car, but moved it in a way that if you moved your head, like you know where your like center console is, where your armrest is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want you to move your head over your right arm. As if it was naturally sitting in your car. You're relaxed. You're behind the wheel of your car. Okay. I'm moving a mirror. You're going to see it, but you got to move your head over your arm. Wouldn't you fucking move the mirror? (laughs) I'd move the mirror. (laughs) Okay. So the level is your mirror that's pointed over your arm. So here's a level. I'm going to move my head over my mirror, over my arm, head over my arm. Oh, I'm not level. Let me fix it. Okay, cool. Then you're going to go through your checklist. You're going to do all your shit. Next stage, you're going to run up and you're going to go, okay, let me check. Yep, I'm crooked again. I better fix it. So if every time you go and look at the level, it's off and you go, gee, it just saved me because I'm crooked, that's a training problem. Yeah. A level is a training aid, not a shooting tool. That's my mindset on a level. I personally feel I'm beyond the level and I've proven it. I proved it four times this year alone with people who set rifles up with levels incorrectly. And I pointed it out just by getting behind their gun and looking at it. Hey, dude, your thing's off. I just mounted my level. No, it's wrong. And like uh, with James and James, a great guy, Drayton, we talked about it was 300 Norma. He set his gun up. He was going to shoot the Night Force thing. COVID got in the way. He brought the gun out. He didn't go to the Night Force event. He said, hey, you want to shoot my Norma? Yeah. As soon as I got behind it, dude, your scope's cannon. No, I just set it up. I was ready for the ELR event. Dude, your scope's candid. No, the level's set to the thing. Dude, your fucking scope's candid. Let's fix it. I brought him six inches over and tightened his groups.
1: So, so what's the would- PRS
0: guy say about me?
1: Well, no, I, so I would say, I, well, I would say, um, for me, cause you talked about a checklist, like people check it before they get down. Do they do their whole shooter checklist? Right. Right. For my checklist. And I, that, that's exactly what I want to bring up. My checklist is the can't is right before the wind. And it, it, it goes, can't wind. Um, pretty much press, right. That's like, those are the last three things. Obviously, breathing and, can't, and whatnot, it can't but...
0: isn't even in my checklist because I yeah, do so, it when I set the bi- bipod up.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, when, you know, especially depending on the the, uh, the bipods and, and stuff like that, especially when you, got, when you get guys with super wonky bipods well, that don't speed, tighten... If
0: it's a speed thing, can't is done with me on before my... Nat- like, natural point of aim would be my first... Mm-hmm. When I'm establishing my sight picture and I'm putting the reticle on target, that's where I do that look down and I check it
1: there. Okay. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I okay. do the same thing. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now if I was setting up like on my range in the prone where I'm saying I'm gonna shoot my mile target, it's not in my vocabulary at all because I'm gonna use my bipod and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and get it locked out before I even lay down behind the rifle. Yeah. So it's getting locked out. So if I have a situation where I'm shooting prone and I'm not moving like that, my can't is done when my bipod is done. If I'm moving, my can't is done with my sight picture. And it's probably, um, it goes one, two. It goes back and forth for me. I go on the target with my reticle. I go down and look, check my can't-like what you're talking about, and then I mm-hmm. go back to the target and I'm done. Yeah. So that's so where I, that comes from.
1: I, I definitely think that that people um, don't mount their, their scopes correctly with the anti-can't-device and really... You know they get, I, get banged I'm a, around and
0: they move, dude. We see them; they yeah. get they get banged up and they move, and they're not always. You have to check them after the fact too, because we we're, yeah. we're finding them because we're scope testing everybody, and most of the levels are on the scope. So when we take it right off your gun, we have it with us, and that's how we're finding so many that are off. But we're also finding. That they're getting knocked off because some of them are single screw or however they're on or whatever. Like the ones on a rail don't work. The flat ones on the rail don't work because you can't adjust them.
1: The ones I, I agree with that. I agree with that.
0: Yep, the ones on the tube works because then you can you can adjust it to the reticle.
1: Yeah. So but, so here's a here's a little uh, thing. What you should do if you have a, uh, um, a scope level. On your on your optic is you should put a paint pen uh, indicator to yeah, see if it moves exactly once you mount it.
0: Uh, no, and I agree with that. And and you know yeah. if now if somebody wants to understand it and set it up and level it, and I could talk them through it, I would tell them exactly how I would use it as a training tool. Yeah. You know, but then I would start all over and make sure it's level to this. To me, it's got to be only on the scope tube. It's got to be leveled to your natural position because if every time you look at that reticle or that level, it's slightly off, that's telling you to change something. So if if third time I get on the gun and I'm doing something faster dynamic and I look at that level and it's off the same direction it's been the three times before, that's telling me to move shit. Yeah. And I'm going to move it that little bit. So the next time I go up and address the gun, I should be straight naturally. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to adjust that. I'm going to adjust that part for me because that's my natural body type. That's what my brain is saying it wants to do. And we have such long term habits. Long term habits are so hard to break. So you want to actually use those habits to your advantage rather than fight those habits, which most people do when they get a level.
1: Yeah, that's right. A lot of times, so what I've seen with with people with levels is well, they don't use them at all. I mean, when I was when I was with Gunworks, which is my point. Have, yeah, <laughs> we'd have six guys on the on the line, and all of, all all six of them had different fucking wind calls in the same wind conditions. Yes, <laughs> it's like. Shooting the same exact goddamn gun. You're like, are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, and you know, he's over. The student.
0: I'll tell a student yeah. who I have a problem with who's canting. I'll yeah. be like, dude, that's why your wind call is different than everybody else's. Because yeah. here we're working this wind call. We're working this wind call, and this working, and we got one guy in the on the line whose wind calls a half mil more than everybody else. Dude, you're heavy heading it. That's your cant. And some of them, what I'll try to do is overcorrect it to the left. And then when their head's on it, hopefully it it straightens it back out or to the right. And then when their head pushes it back left, or you know, however, um, it'll it'll fix it. But yeah, I mean, people people fucking heavy headed. People pull it over. They pull the bolt over. They do all kinds of stuff, um, you know. And 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 so I'll try to set the rifle up so when their head is on the stock, it's straight because every time their head is on the stock, it's canted. Okay, you're yeah. heavy headed, in it. So you're not a six o'clock guy, dude. You're a six thirty guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I and I'll tell, I'll explain that to him. Hey, man, you're a six thirty guy. Your head's fat. You're pushing the gun over. You can't be straight straight up and down. You have to start the game at six thirty. Yeah. So it, that's
1: a good that's a good point. I, I think you know when you straighten, you can have everything straight on your body. I and I, I always say this. The only. You know, you can have your shoulders straight, your elbow straight, hips straight to the target. The hardest angle to get rid of is when you put your face on the gun because your neck wants to push that rifle out a little bit. I mean, in, in a real world, I mean, like, not real world, but um, well, guy, best case, yep. case scenario, you want to bring that rifle underneath your shooting eye, right? But you can't, and so if, you got to lean, you got to kind of lean over, it, you know, to, to see it.
0: If a guy's scope is mounted too low if his bipod's set too low, his head's going to roll over. And- oh,
1: yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, so, uh, you know guys what I mean? guys going too low, especially guys that have big, big bigger bellies. Yeah, bigger right? belly, right, right. And what happens is and, and this is one thing that I actually um grabbed from you when I was teaching is bipods is a part of your um uh you know, rifle setup is your bipod height. And, you know, a lot of times you're like, get, get, go, get, low, get low, get low. <laughs> well, dude, if you've got, I mean, if you've got a, a serious gut, getting low is not the option for you because all you're going to do is you're going to hate your fucking life and you're going to be super uncomfortable and you're just going to be bitching about being in the fucking prone. Uh, usually the, the bigger guys need taller bipods um, so that they can essentially, um, you know, mount that shoulder or mount that rifle a little bit higher Uh, You know, just like, you know, guys that don't have, you know, in in better shape, essentially.
0: Well, I explain it in the class and there's funny little pictures running around because I'll I'll bring my uh, legs up, too, is I lay on the floor in class and I say to the students, I say, how many got kids? How many here in the class have little kids? How do they lay and watch TV or play on their computer on the floor? They're up on their elbows with their friggin chin in their palm. And we don't have to teach little kids how to lay on the floor and watch the computer or TV to be up on their elbows. That's the position.
1: Yep. Because that's that's your most, yeah, that's natural.
0: That's your natural position that we don't have to teach. What's the prone position, dude? It's a little kid laying on the floor. That's your height. Yep. So how you can sit there and lay on the floor and watch TV, that position with your elbows, that's your position. And so, you know, to me, like you said, bigger guys can't do that, so they have to yeah. go higher and higher is more comfortable. You know, the 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 getting low is 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 the difference between standing, kneeling, sitting and prone. Standing's yeah. you know, the least stable. Kneeling's lower, more stable. Sitting's lower, more stable. Prone is is the lowest, it's the most stable. The only thing lower than that is dead unless we wanted to talk <laughs> Hawkins. You know, but we're not doing a Hawkins position, you know, but yeah.
1: I have have found with, with the prone position, um, it's better to have too much bipod than not enough bipod.
0: Exactly. And that's that's our point. We just say it. Yeah. Have
1: you, have you, have you, have you seen that? Like, you know, guys that if the, if you jack your bipods up, if you got a, you know, pretty decent rear bag, it's going to be more comfortable for you. Big time. Because, you know, but if you, if you are too low, what happens typically, what I see at least is shooters will drive that buttstock like down to the ground and they're not even touching their you know they're not even shouldering it and every time they shoot um that rifle just goes straight down to the to the dirt and they're I mean they don't see shit.
0: Yeah, they're 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 laying on top of the rifle. Yeah. And then yep. the nose comes up and their dope is off because that's the other thing is cuz then when it recoils it's it's on an angle usually. Yep. And then it's going to tr- try to go under their shoulder pocket and dip low and nose is going to come up and then their dope's going to yep. be fucked up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hey, I know you got to go pick up your daughter soon. What time is that? We got time? Or are you good? Yeah, we got we got about uh, 10 minutes. OK, cool, cool. I just yeah, want to make yeah. sure I'm not yeah. keeping you late. No, um, you're, you're good. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, a little bit higher is a little bit better. And, and honestly, I mean, we talk. And, and again, it's translation. When you're in my class, I may translate it three ways. When you hear me on the podcast, I'm translating it one way. And I'm usually being a bit punky or trollish about it. You know, because that's the entertainment part of the sport. Um, So, you know, when I'm in class, we explain it like three different ways. And if somebody had a fourth-way question, we would answer that. Because we always try to do the why. You know, why are we doing this? Why do we want you up higher? We tell everybody, start with your bipod at its highest setting and work your way down to find your position. And then we also have to talk about terrain. You know, like my range here it rises up gently. So you have to lift your bipod as you go out. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so it's like, you might be the the hundred yard is pretty level, but it would almost technically be almost down a little bit like a notch down. So at a hundred, you're like a notch down at 200. You can do the same at three. You would be a notch up and be more neutral. Then, yeah. you know, four, five, you can you can get away with the same. Six, you're gonna come a notch up. Eight, you better come a notch up. And then nine, ten, and out, you better come two notches up.
1: You know what yeah. I mean? And so that's that's a good point. A lot of times people forget that when they start dialing out to distance, they need more they need more elevation in the back. Right. I saw this I saw this happen at Cyber School. Guys are running that one fucking notch on Harris bipods, they're at the nine hundred, you know, and they've got two inch digs and they can't they're not hitting shit they're all over the fucking place and it's like dude come up on your bipods they are like oh and you right. know I, I, I you should show them it. it's like hey when you dial up you're losing elevation in the back because you have to angle the barrel right <laughs> yeah
0: and it's just that. we
1: don't think about it
0: it's not that they no, don't, don't know don't. Yeah. or it's just yeah that they're, it's a, and it's the smallest thing right and that's that's the whole point with levels People don't look at it because we're now distracted and doing something else. I want yeah. 100% of your attention on that reticle and target relationship. I want that edge-to-edge clarity, and I want you looking through the scope and following the bullet to the target. I don't yeah. want you thinking you got to peek over to your level because you might be crooked. If yeah. if if that doubt is going through your brain, you're never going to be 100%. Yeah. You know, and I know we that's, can't that's, get a
1: that, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah, and that's my yeah. – and in, in, in what I would rather you do is say, hey, man, I'm the new shooter. I'm not sure. My bipod can't tighten up all the way, or I'm using a skypod. That's moving loose. So I want a level to make sure I'm not slightly off. Okay, well, what's our Beth mess – Beth? Best? Yeah, Beth. <laughs> Beth. Beth. Um, Beth. Who's Beth? I don't know, Beth. Um, I don't know any Beths. Uh, I know one. <laughs> I had a student was a Beth. Um, I'm I'm slurring. I am not even drink yet. Um, Anyway – uh, you know, what's the best method? So I put best and method together and made Beth. Yeah. Um, what's the best method for you to address the rifle for you And yeah. some, some people, it may be fine the way it is. Hey, I get down on the gun. I don't have to think about it. You know, maybe if I'm going to do a thousand yard shot or a 1200 yard shot, I double check the level and I'm good. But like most of us know when guys are shooting those six, four, eight hundred 800 yard targets quick off of things they're not looking at shit. Yeah. Cuz time doesn't let them. It's too fast. No. And so that's my point. Is like why bother? You know, and 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 I see a level is 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 all it is 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 telling you you have a problem. My question to all the other people is, how does the level fix it? It doesn't. It's just telling you you have a problem. How you fix it is your bipod. How you fix it is your body position or knowing that your body is positioned, like I was saying, at 6.30 and not 6 o'clock. Jacob mentioned this with recoil management. You know what? A guy's coming in at a 6 o'clock position and the gun's jumping on him and maybe he needs to angle it and move it a little bit at a 5 or a 7. Yeah. And then it recoils in a straight because his body type has like a weird bow, spina bifida or some weird shit. You know, yeah. I don't know what he's got, and I think spina bifida is the no butt thing, but the the with the scoliosis <laughs> curved, he's got a scoliosis or something. And um, anyway, you know what I mean. So everybody's just enough different that maybe that's the fix, and it's not just looking up to say the idiot light said you're wrong. So
1: that's well, my before opinion. uh before we wrap it up, I wanna I wanna address one thing that you had for me about the three step oh yeah okay go ahead yeah go ahead so the the three-step you're referring to uh the competitive scene right now where you know guys are essentially starting you know um three steps back yeah three steps back and um yeah, I, <laughs> you're you're dude. in a
0: dynamic sport and you're taking three steps because like, you know, we're home and I'm like, I got home for a couple days and I'm on Facebook and I'm cruising through, got yelled at by fucking Travis Mitchell for no reason. It's like, fuck you, dude. What are you yelling at me? And and anyway, and you know, Kalen starts a thing and Travis yells at me and and it's like, so I'm looking at all these videos and everybody's like doing their little, you know, hey, I'll show you a barricade. Hey, I'm going to show you this or hey, here's a tank trap with my game changer. And everybody's taking three steps. One, two, three, drop the bag on the fucking prop, put your rifle on the bag, shoot your target, then move across the prop. And it's like, what happened to running?
1: Yeah, well, I'm guilty of it. So this is training. This is competition scars. You actually, um, I love that you called it that because when I did um, Kalen's law enforcement call, I had a lot of competition scars bolt to the rear, all this crazy shit you know, cause a lot of his quals start with, um, oh, Maggie, um yeah, ready to mag go in, ready to go gun on safe. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times I kept fucking pulling the trigger. It was not going off and I had to look down and realize that I'm fucking on, on safe. So, uh, yeah. I, and I'm guilty of that too, but no, I think, you, and this goes back to, you know, my philosophy of being a precision rifleman over a precision rifle shooter, uh, being a precision rifleman, you know, he, he wants to be as dynamic as he can, regardless of the scenario, you know, you know, and, and movement, a lot of that is, is into that, you know, moving to contact, moving to a position and and not taking just three steps because I mean, God, you know, even when, when I, when I um, got in my position to shoot that, uh, that deer, right. um, I was finding a position around that Hill that was going to be able to, you know, get me in a position to, to shoot that thing. And, um, you know, it required a lot more than three steps. And then once I find the freaking position, once I found that position, you know, I had time to set the camera up and and, and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think, um, just, I mean, the direction of sport, right. Everyone is, you know, seeing stuff on whatever's out there on Facebook and Instagram. And again, I haven't really been competing lately and I just like keep on, you know, uh, I keep my nose, uh, there to see who's you know who's up there um but um i watch too yeah no i mean i'm, I'm keeping my keeping my taz but like i i will put my money moment where my mouth is like i'll show up you know what i mean uh and uh you know i've, I've showed up and i've 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 done i shouldn't say i've done my time i've only really did a couple seasons but you know i'm taking a little hiatus so i can spend time on, on family and uh you know but i'm definitely itching to go back when it's when it's ready and you know hopefully the just like Kalen says, competition is a validation of your training. And, you know, when I'm ready to go back in the competition circuit, you know, I'm I'm looking to be on the podium. So, but I'm not scared to, to compete or call guys out that, you know, I I don't think that are, you know, keeping up with the tradition of the sport. No, I'm with you.
0: And I'm with, and I'm, I'll go too if I got the time, like I said, our schedules has been crazy. Did you hear when I was saying with the, like the Nick Irving call out? And I was saying that, um, (sighs) which, yeah, I know, which we won't get into that part of it, but uh. What I was saying, if if I was called out today, I would probably go to like rifles only. I would look at every stage that Jacob has and find like the easiest one. I would shoot that one stage and then I would be done. Yeah. Because then I would be like clean that stage. And then I'd be like, yeah, you called me out. I played your game. I cleaned the stage. I'm over it. And then I wouldn't shoot any more stages. I would just go down there and hang out with Jacob and just like, you know, be like, yeah, I'll go shoot an event again. Should we go down there and shoot the brawl? Oh, uh, you know Yeah, what's your
1: <laughs> I was gonna ask you, uh what's your schedule like in February? Uh
0: San Diego depends on when it is, but uh, I have two classes. I got a class with George, No Legs and surge in San Diego, and then we have is a Is it like early, early February? Yeah, I gotta look. Um I don't know if I have it on my calendar. Let me see. It's on my calendar. Mark's got it on his calendar.
1: uh brawl is at the like the end of the february so love to shoot that with you again that was fun when we shot it two years ago
0: yeah i'd probably be able to do that i think i can make the brawl cool um but yeah yeah, you know what i mean that's that's kind of i'll go shoot the brawl if i if if i'm good with it i'll come shoot it uh for sure but hey let me let you get going here it's been a great time but to think about the three steps we'll talk about that one later because okay it used to be we ran from stage to stage and now you guys are just taking three steps
1: but um, anyway, hey, Frank, it was a pleasure, man. I, I uh, enjoy uh, your podcast. Thanks for everything you do for the community. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the uh, the awesome mentorship you have for me, especially as my transition outside of the Marine Corps into the industry. So I appreciate everything that uh, you do for the community and for myself. So
0: anytime, dude, you're always welcome. And and I want to get on with you guys too, some more and, and do all that. Winter's coming. I'll, I'll call me up anytime. I'll be home. But uh, go right, take brother. care of your daughter and have a good thing, and I appreciate it and love having you on, man. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Cheers, man. All
1: right.
0: Bye. All right, guys, I'm out of here. I'm going to let uh, Fuzz is here. Fuzz take over for Phil. Fuzz, are you going to say hi, Seth, for Phil? Slick, like now I ain't saying nothing. Say woo. <whistles> there
1: you go. <whistles> All right.
0: All <whistles> <whistles> right.